0: You are listening to Prickly and Blooming, and now your hostess, Jessie Browning. All right, all right, all right.
1: Hello and welcome. Hey, everyone. Um, We've got a guest this week, again, to share her story of um, This Can't Be My Life. And before we get to that, just I want to make sure you've followed the show on whatever app you're listening to or from right now. And reach out. Uh, You can find me on Instagram or Facebook or the website. Everything is prickly and blooming. There's a listener survey uh, at the website and on the show notes. What else do I want to tell you guys? So this is the last regular episode of this season, which is season four of prickly and blooming. Next week, we will have the wrap-up of season three guests you know how in the last episode of the season we like to go back to the previous season and say hi to people we've met and see if anything's changed in their life if they've added a business quit a job had a baby i don't know (laughs) it's just a fun little way to end this season by checking on last season so that will be next week um i believe we'll have three check-ins next week So um, I'm excited to bring you the interview this week. It's somebody who reached out to me and filled out my um, interest form. And I sent her an email and like, I think in response, and I have like issues. (laughs) When somebody doesn't reply the email, do you go like, I have spam issues. (laughs) So it happened to me this year, when I opened my business, a lot of my emails, because it was a new email address, would go to people's spam box. So I have like, spam stress. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I have SS. like, does that go to a spam box? So then I sent her an Instagram message and I haven't, didn't hear And I was like, no, all right. Well, I tried. And then just I forget when it was like really the end, the wire of like wrapping up the season. Um, Laura reached out and was like, Hey, I just saw this. I'd love to do the show. So I just love how that stuff works out. It was like, I tried a valiant effort and I was like, oh, well, you know, and tried to record an episode with her, but it's maybe she's not interested anymore and then it's like boom there she is and like there we go (laughs) everything's filled in for this season it worked out wonderfully so that's a little behind the scenes of how this all comes together you know (laughs) it's emails it's scheduling and you know it's fun stuff i like doing that kind of stuff okay enough details about that let's go meet laura hello laura Hi. How are you doing this lovely afternoon? Awesome. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, me too. Sorry. I don't, I don't take that. I'm had I realized how far away my mic is. Okay, here we are Good. <laughs> so um, tell us what is your relationship to Texas. Let's start there. I am a
0: Texan through and through, born and mm. bred. I live right outside of Houston, although I grew up in a suburban bubble, so I have no accent, but I say y'all and fixin' to. Um, mm-hmm. I left for college for a short period. I went to Clemson, but then came right back.
1: So I am a Texan born and bred. Oh, like what we've um, decided, the boomerang effect.
0: Totally. It had to come back, job market, friends, family. The whole thing was just Mm -hmm.
1: too hard not Mm -hmm. to. Yep. My husband grew up um, in Victoria.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, South.
1: Mm-hmm. So I'm married to somebody from Texas, but I've only been here 20 years of my life. Only. That's, only, that's yeah. not fair. Half my life now I've I've been here and I'm from the complete you know opposite world, I like to say, New England. So I love this uh, project to kind of experiment or investigate. That's what I'm looking for, not experiment. Investigate in like what this Texas identity means. Um, but do you have like a, a an idea of like what it means to you, you know, of like what it felt like when you were gone and that you were longing for to get back to? You. Do you know what I mean?
0: Oh my gosh, that is such a cool question. Besides the Tex Mex and all that fun stuff that we Mm -hmm. all identify with here in Texas, I don't know because South Carolina has a unique culture that I miss being away from there. But I think living here through the pandemic has given me, and you might hear this a lot, but I have such an appreciation for Texas because I personally value freedom on such a core level. And I didn't recognize that until living here. And I don't care what your beliefs are about the pandemic, the COVID, whatever, but the fact that um, I had personal agency and was able to make decisions and had the ability, if I wanted to, to leave my house, whereas I know some places in the world you couldn't, um, I think that's the epitome of Texas is personal freedom. And you know, that can go off on so many tangents politically, which I don't even want it to. It's just the fact that freedom, and that's why I have my own business, and that's why I, freedom just um, is so much a part of my life, and so I think that is at the core growing up in Texas part of the reason
1: I value it so much Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's a intense like I would this classic American rugged independence if you will Mm. (laughs) like whoever said that as like Americans must have been in Texas when they said that because the people I've met in Texas in the last 20 years define that 1000 percent yeah Um, my husband's family is very much of that sort of like if I need it I'll build it I, and then I'll rebuild it and then I'll, you know, repaint it and then I'll, you know, they're yes. they're of that. Mm-hmm. If I'm, I need it, I can do it.
0: And but with that is also we also I think Texans, I also really value community. So mm-hmm. it's like I want this freedom and independence, but I value the community and the people in my tribe. And so I don't know. But yeah, I, that's mm-hmm. it. That's it for I, me.
1: Yep. There's a magic. So what else is there to know about you before? We, and then we'll go, we'll start with your story, but is there anything we should know about you before we get started? You know, we know your name is Laura. We know you live outside of Houston. What do you do for work? Well, um, I'll start with, I'm married
0: to my husband mm-hmm. for like I don't know, 13, 14 years. Don't tell him. I can't think mm-hmm. of that off the top of my head. <laughs> and, um, and three kids I have. Mm-hmm. So this is like the rundown. Elizabeth's turning 11 next week. Mm-hmm. Jacob's turning six next week. And then I have my son, Caleb, who's eight. And, um, I own my own business. So part-time, I am a fractional integrator in a bit digital marketing business where I help oh. manage oh teams God. and systems. And then the other time I own my own business with a partner and we have a um, boutique recruiting agency. So, oh yeah. What's your specialty? Digital marketing, um, any mm-hmm. position for a digital marketing team. So like ops, marketing, sales, but all remote positions. Remote is really like the thread that ties it all together. Got so, it. Got it.
1: So we, you know, have a setup for these type of interviews where we start with a moment where you can identify with hindsight usually. It's sometimes you can tell right when you're in it, but sometimes it's, you know, more of hindsight of like, oh, wow, that was the moment that things changed for me. And it's usually personally, sometimes it's professionally, sometimes somebody lost a job and then that, you know, kind of snowballed into like just a different path in their life. Do you have that moment in your head that you could share with us of when you can identify and be like, oh that was my moment. That was when things changed for me.
0: Yeah. I have a very mm-hmm. specific moment. I was sitting on the couch like nine o'clock at night with my husband and I felt the tingle across my chest and it was my very first ever panic attack. Oh, wow. And I never experienced anxiety before that. Mm-hmm. It like gives mm-hmm. me anxiety talking about it. But, um, mm-hmm. that started, um, for those Texans that remember it was Approximately a month after Hurricane Harvey hit, my community mm-hmm. was ravaged. Like 40% mm-hmm. flooded. It was a month after that, and it led to two weeks of nonstop panic attacks. It was like I was like mm-hmm. a shaken bottle of Coke that exploded, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. couldn't put the lid back on. And it I would, just kept going. Shh, oh, I'd be like walking mm-hmm. down a Target aisle, and so mm-hmm. my life literally just stopped. And I had to address what was happening physically that was manifesting mm-hmm. mentally. And, um, that was four years ago, a little over four years ago. And that mm-hmm. is the moment so much changed because mm-hmm. my body forced me to address so many different things, <laughs> whether it was suppressed mm-hmm. emotion or priorities out of whack or not, all the things. So sitting on the couch, nine o'clock at night, I could probably, mm-hmm. I could probably find the date pretty quickly if we wanted, but yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Oh, I love that. And then this is a perfect cuz I'm like, "Oh, boy, we're going to, from that, we're <laughs> going to know what this is, where you went." But let's go back like how did you get to that moment? You know, what was basically overmom, I would say, correct? Oh, for sure. And probably brought on by the trauma of the floods and everything, right? Yes. Well, I have a great answer for this because i done a lot of well, well, I've well, done, a lot done a lot of a lot therapy. Of
0: therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where do you go when you have a mental breakdown? You go to therapy. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. So it was a lot of trauma leading up to that Mm -hmm. exact point. And it wasn't like Mm -hmm. great child. I have a great childhood. I don't have any profound trauma that you would find in a lifetime movie, not to diminish trauma, the big, I think they call it the big T
1: trauma. There's also little T trauma, right? Mm -hmm. I had a
0: ton of little T's and I'm an Enneagram seven, if you're familiar with that. So I'm all about slowly
1: starting to get there. I'm a four. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. Okay. So you Mm -hmm. like your feelings. Maybe Uh like, right. Oh, I
1: love them. Oh yeah.
0: I'm like, unless it has to do with laughter, like get out of my face. (laughs) Yep. Okay. (laughs) So my kids had, um, two of them had severe food allergies. One of which was eczema bleeding Mm -hmm. head to toe. So that was a little trauma the summer before Harvey, my son fell off a bunk bed and we were in Colorado in a mountain house and um I picked him up and he was purple and his eyes were rolling back so <gasps> mm-hmm. we rushed him in the car called 911 and an ambulance met us up the mountain and we went to the ER and it ended up just being a concussion but at the time I you know I did he it was so traumatic and um mm-hmm. then I came back to Hurricane Harvey and the, just living through the storm let alone the flood it was like Jumanji, like is that how you say it? like uh-huh. like yep. today it's tornadoes today yep. it's her, like it came for its winds. Tomorrow it's hail. I mean, every day it had something new. It was insane. It's like mm-hmm. nine days. And then the last day in my community was the flooding. And praise the Lord, we didn't flood, but just the trauma of so many friends and family flooding. Yeah. yeah. School delayed by week. So it was just all that built up. And then it just came out. And um, yep. drinking, we can get into drinking. I was drinking way too much. So there was a lot. So I, I didn't address the drinking till over a year later, but I mm-hmm. I was mommy mm-hmm. drinking. So I wasn't yep. like an alcoholic. I was just, um, yep. I was drinking. Coper, yeah. I like to call it. Like mm-hmm. I deserve my glass of wine at five yep. o'clock and then it turned into two and then it turned mm. into four o'clock. And then it peaked um, a couple of years ago in December. Like I killed a whole bottle before my husband mm-hmm. got home from work. And I was like, oh, that's not mm. good, you know? Right? So I I can keep going, but that's really the panic attack started. It was just a lot of little traumas built up.
1: Right. Oh, I love this. Okay. So I'm like, let's go back when you're in that moment and you're having your first panic attack, what happens next? Where do you go? How do you, you know, how do you navigate that?
0: I I thought that exact moment, I thought I was having a heart attack. Mm -hmm. So we had Mm -hmm. friends over at our house that left and she was an ER nurse. So Jared, Mm -hmm. my husband called her back over and Mm -hmm. she did like a full assessment. And
1: she was like, mm-hmm. this is a panic attack. Mm-hmm. They mock a heart attack, correct me? Yes. Uh, isn't it like something like 80, 90% of people experiencing a panic attack think it's a heart attack? Yeah.
0: Because yeah. it's, okay. it's terri- <laughs> terrible. Have you yes. had one? Um,
1: yes. Did it, yes. Did it do the same for you? Because it can present different ways. It presented differently. I didn't feel pain like that. Mine was more, I think, like remember the first time it was, it was in our house and Marfa was on the second story and my mind was like Mm -hmm. going weird, you know, like it was more cloud here. Um, and then I was, it wasn't like hearing voices, but it was like, there was a disassociation. It didn't feel like thoughts in my head. Yeah, Does that make sense? You know what I mean? There was like brain activity that felt different. And then another time I did another time I had one, I've had a handful. I did feel it in my body it didn't feel like a heart attack, but it definitely felt like there was something. And I remember texting my husband was like, I don't feel right. I believe this is a panic attack. Like I get more breathing, you know, Yeah, Uh, like not like the pain, but the, like (laughs) that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's just terrifying, but yeah. So that's, Mm -hmm. that was the immediate next step, but Mm -hmm. the acute steps following that because they just Mm -hmm. would not stop. It was a barrage of, I wasn't working at the time. Um, I was a stay-at-home mom, so my husband, Mm -hmm. I was like, you have to take off work, I can't care for the kids. Mm -hmm. It's like, when I share this, it's almost Mm -hmm. a disassociation, like not talking about myself, because there's a level of embarrassment, right? But I I hope sharing this, Mm -hmm. like none of us have it all put together, but I found myself, I couldn't get in to see a doctor because my Mm -hmm. doctor flooded Mm -hmm. and she was done and I didn't have established care. So to become a new patient Required mm-hmm. like three, it was like three months. You can come see us. And I was like, No, I need help today. Day, right. So I ended up in an emergency out. It was like a walk in, like an urgent walk-in care clinic, urgent care. Um, mm-hmm. For psychiatric care. Mm-hmm. And I had an appointment with a psychiatrist on a Zoom mm-hmm. before COVID, like how, you know, yes, how I know, right? You were.
1: But they yeah, put me in this room addressed. and
0: they assessed me for suicide. And mm-hmm. praise God, I wasn't having any of those thoughts, but. Mm-hmm. He treated me and I took pharmaceuticals right away. Cause I needed something mm-hmm. to like, to stop the panic so I could address. Right. So, um, the that stuff was, going on behind yeah. the scenes.
1: And were you aware enough at that moment to, to say like, it sounds like you were, you're like, okay, there's this physical manifestation, which we're going to cease. So I can get to, you already could tell there was something else going on. You knew it wasn't just okay. like, why is this happening? You knew that like, maybe you didn't know why, mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, like, but you were like, oh, something's happening. How about that? You know, Absolutely. that I need to dig back into a thousand percent.
0: And one of my closest friends is a psychologist. And so I leaned on her a lot and she helped guide me, you know, you're Mm -hmm. mentally manifesting physically, all that stuff. And so, but I, I didn't know it at the time, but I ended up seeing a psychiatrist in person to have Mm -hmm. long-term care. And he he explained it. He said, we just need to get you back to a baseline. And he explained a medication similar to a Xanax I took. He's like, it just turns the switch off. And we need to do that, get you back into baseline so you can address everything. And then my therapist was like, you just need to crawl out of this hole and the medication Mm -hmm. is helping you. And so anyway, so yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that they were all like, yes, of course, the, during, I mean, it's a crisis situation yeah. you were in. The entire city was in crisis. Mm-hmm. I guarantee there was tons of people, right, though, like mm-hmm. my doctor's flooded and like you're really stuck. And it's really hard because now you're like, I need help. And my doctor's office is yeah. flooded as well. Like, you've got to be kidding me, you know? I know.
0: Right. And mm-hmm. that doctor, she had all paper files. So she, <gasps> she literally oh, no. just moved. She closed her practice and just retired and moved because reopening. So yeah, I lost my doctor.
1: Just, <laughs> right. And you lost all your records. Huh? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, That's
1: crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. So how else did you go? Like, okay, you've stabilized your body, right? You've gotten like, as. And then where did you start?
0: So then I found a, um, a therapist and I did mm-hmm. um, talk therapy. Gosh, I'm trying to think. I really, on a core level as a mom, I'm sure so many moms mm-hmm. listening can relate. I started taking care of myself and it's used mm-hmm. so flippantly out there. Like, you can't fill up everyone else's I mean, cup unless you do it. Yeah. Man, yeah. <laughs> but when it becomes crisis and you genuinely have to address that, I mean, genuinely. Mm-hmm. It was like, mom has to sleep. Mom has yeah. to, like, I have to go work out. Like, I had to yes. do, I, I paid very close attention to my diet. I just started taking very careful care of myself
1: mm-hmm.
0: and prioritize myself in a way that was almost... um life or death like I wasn't in danger of dying but it was I couldn't care for kids if I couldn't care for myself I mean it just became a very like in my face not a just mm-hmm. a meme on Instagram
1: <laughs> I really don't think you understand that meme <laughs> like it seems like a cute fun little meme oh yeah you know you can't pour from an empty cup blah 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 until your cup is really empty yes. and then I feel like like I want to say your your cup like cracks and mm-hmm. is breaking like and anything you're trying to pour in or out of it is just dripping out you know it's just not working it's when it really starts to take effect you know to understand that sort of phenomenon
0: i feel that so hardcore Mm -hmm. and i don't Mm -hmm. want that for anyone but like what that helps me do like having the broken cup is now if my Mm -hmm. cup gets a little low i immediately feel it and i immediately know i need to do xyz immediately Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it's just giving me such self-awareness
1: let me ask this This might be jumping ahead and we'll go back. When COVID happened, did this come up? You know what I mean? Were you thrown back into a little bit of the little T trauma? Were you able to stay on top of it?
0: So I was able to stay on top of it, but immediately when COVID happened, within two weeks, I knew... Mm-hmm. I was not going to be in a good place two months later, mm-hmm. not knowing mm-hmm. if we were going to not knowing we were going to be in lockdown for how long, but
1: right forever. Right. Mm-hmm. Within
0: two weeks of, um, I had stopped therapy at that point and I was mm-hmm. off medication. I was, I was in a really good place, but within mm-hmm. two weeks I got a um, virtual therapist and yep. I, st- I started doing more therapy. That was new layers and mm-hmm. new, um, new stuff that was just amazing. And it was mm-hmm. so perfectly well-timed. I have to say, looking back, I'm proud of myself for making that decision. It was just a, mm-hmm. I know I need this. The gut, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess to answer your question, I, I handled it fine because again, I knew mm-hmm. that already
1: done it. Mm-hmm. this
0: is, this is not a good environment for me. Like I'm a seven, I'm a people mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. And I, that got all taken away and I could feel it within two weeks. And I was like, this is,
1: not going to be right good. this is going to be that's good because what why I asked that question is what you're talking about with the moment you had with Harvey is uh, what I feel like a lot of people had this last year with COVID mm. it was like a little tea kind of could be traumatic kind of thing happening and then it brought up everything to people's surface right but I think I was like I wonder if because you kind of already went through this there was like something on the outside that was putting pressure on the inside and you were able to cope with that you know so that I I wondered if then when you presented with the kind of the similar stress the similar stressor of like this you know outside world stressor but that felt really constraining you know personally you were able to like have the tools and that's kudos to you Thanks, but yeah. As you're saying that, I'm thinking,
0: yes, you're right. A lot of people yeah. probably did experience uh-huh. that in COVID that aren't talking about but, it. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I know a lot of people are. Yeah. talk to any talk to your friend who's a therapist, right? She's rocking and rolling this yeah. year and last year, right? That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Think. Of, I mean, I know so many mental health professionals that are like booked and and have been, and so many people sought out therapy maybe because they had the time, and also I think that it brought in all that. I hate this, this isn't a T word, triggered, you know? Mm-hmm. I just feel like that's overused. I feel like, I like to say, it kind of resonated with me. <laughs> yeah, That's what I'd like yeah. to say instead. When you started taking stock, I imagine, like through therapy, and like after doing the show for so long, a couple categories that people kind of do some work in. Like one, a lot of time, physical health mm-hmm. has a lot to do with it. Um, you know, their emotional, spiritual, you know, health with, with therapy or that sort of other things. Um, you mentioned this, so I'm curious about, um, drinking and then like, how has this affected your work and your, you know, that affects work a lot for people when they have these moments. Um, I want to speak about any of those. Yeah. I, I will happily speak about the, well, all of it, but to
0: um, really hone in on Mm -hmm. my drinking journey. So I've always just drank socially. And then I got into the mommy glass of Mm -hmm. wine and I mentioned I Mm -hmm. drank a whole bottle and I, I stuck it in the garbage. I lifted up paper and stuck it in there. So my husband wouldn't see it. And that was the moment where I was like, I'm hiding Mm -hmm. something from my husband. This feels dangerous. And so whatever magic happened, Facebook ads gave me an ad for a dry January challenge. And, um, I took it. I never thought I could. And it was coupled with, it was run by this uh, amazing woman. This needs to go in your show notes, Annie Grace. She wrote a book okay. called This Naked Mind.
1: Okay. Yep. I've heard of this and it's oh. people have told me to read it, and I haven't yet. Oh yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh-huh. I got to meet her last week
0: and it was more <gasps> thrilling than oh. meeting like Brad Pitt. She is so amazing. And anyways, it's a book. The premise is, you know, there, of course there's alcoholism. That's a real thing. And mm-hmm. it requires mm-hmm. AA or it can require AA or mm-hmm. other means, but mm-hmm. there's also mm-hmm. a group of people that drink too much that aren't alcoholics, but because alcohol is so addictive and like, we don't talk about mm-hmm. how addictive it is. It's, it's more addictive than cocaine mm-hmm. or whatever. You find yourself mm-hmm. drinking mm-hmm. three or four glasses of wine and it's all the book that uses mm-hmm. cognitive behavioral therapy to really help you understand, like you don't need Why that. You're doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I was just about to ask that, yeah, I, because I cannot believe I haven't read this book because I've gotten to all of this without that book. Of exactly, I, I wasn't an alcoholic. That, I mean, alcoholism was in my family, but that wasn't what it was. You know, it was the only coping skill I had, mm-hmm. and then it became very obvious that it could not be my coping skill anymore. Mm-hmm. And so now, let me, let me. I'm like, is this how the book ends? <laughs> you tell me this because I haven't read it yet. Is, is I call myself sober adjacent? right? Quote unquote. Like I still, like there's a couple hard kombuchas or whatever in my fridge. We live on a lake. I like to have one drink, but I, I, I don't have to cut it out completely, but I am leaps and bounds from where I was years ago.
0: Bravo on your own. That's amazing. Mm. Yeah. So Annie does not drink, but she mm-hmm. does not put that on anyone. It, um, got it. Okay. Where, where I That's left, not,
1: that's not what she's saying. No. Mm-hmm.
0: Um where I left the book every time I drink, mm-hmm. it's a quote unquote experiment, and I think I assess it afterwards. I'm like was my was yeah. my evening enhanced, mm-hmm. or could I have done without and it's 50-50. Mm-hmm. sometimes I wake up and I'm like, that was awesome <laughs> so- yes, 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 <laughs> but um but no, I generally i can I can easily go without whereas before I was like, oh yeah i I, I always said yes to the drink, any social situation but I don't know how to explain it, but like it's reward. Like I have an aura ring, I track my sleep, one glass of wine, my sleep is shot. So is it worth Mm -hmm. it to have a glass of wine by myself watching a movie? A thousand percent. No. But if my Mm -hmm. girlfriends want to go have a girl's night, it's worth it. Like it's totally worth it, but it's just assessing it and, um, it not being a thing I need it's freeing. So.
1: Yep. 100%. And it has become a treat. Yes. That I enjoy. Yes. And I'm a cheap date. Two yeah. drinks tops. if I you oh. know, if, if. yeah like that's only happened one, like having the boat, I've had one during the day, and then maybe, you know, but it's very it's when we only happened twice this year that I've had more than one drink. Whereas previously, in a different life, you know it could have been a lot more. I love this, and um, this is now making me I'm like, I really have thought about creating a sober, adjacent society or something, you know <laughs> because I'm much more in line with the sober world if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. And then if you want to do I don't want to create a binary then like the mommy wine world. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm way more and I think um the more that people like you and I talk about it of like yes, I have I've redefined what drinking is, you know.
0: Yeah. And it's so true mm-hmm. and I mean and she gets into it in her book about the cultures mm-hmm. we have like football, beer, mom,
1: wine, yep. stuff like that, that yep. we identify with. We drink when we're happy. We drink when we're sad. We drink when we had a good day. We drink when we had a bad day. We drink, um, you know, we're making dinner. We drink uh, when we have brunch. We, you know, all movie theaters now, you can have beer and wine. You know, it just, yeah. I actually have a business that sells beer and wine. <laughs> we own a coffee shop. and um, It's to monetize yeah. the nighttime oh, hours. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's an important thing to pay attention to because like I said, it's addictive. And so one glass will soon Mm -hmm. not satisfy and it will turn into Mm -hmm. two and then two will not give you the same buzz. And that's just, that's just, um, science, you know? So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then once you get into needing a whole bottle, that's dangerous because it's also expensive. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I I talked to my husband one time. So he would drink beer every day. When he got home from work, he'd have a beer. Mm-hmm. He never got drunk. That was probably it. You know, he'd, um, but you know what I said to him? And I think this, uh, he'll listen to this and tell me if I'm right. What I said to him is I've, I said, you've normalized men drinking every day to all of our children. And most men who drink every day, aren't you? You're the most capable person I've ever known, and you can do everything and make everything, build everything in South Texas and all that, you know, the stereotype. And, you know, the one beer you have every day, but it's not about that one beer. Our children have seen a man drinks every day, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, that's all I ever said to him about after I had my, like, you know, come to Jesus moment about drinking. That's all I ever said to him. Like, I was never like, you have to quit drinking, you know, nothing like that. But I just said that, like, small thing of just like, what does this look like from the outside as a child?
0: that resonated with Mm -hmm. me because when I drank my bottle of wine, I thought that through, Mm -hmm. I was like, my kids are gonna have memories of me always drinking wine. And so I anticipated Mm -hmm. when I quit for my kids to notice, and luckily they were too young for that to be, I I think I hit it right when Mm -hmm. they were young enough for it to not be a thing, Mm -hmm. but um, absolutely, Mm -hmm. absolutely, yes.
1: Yep, yep. So you now are, fascinated of like you went back to work when did you go back to work
0: well <laughs> so I had because
1: um, <laughs> you were a stay-at-home mom and this all happened four years ago yes
0: okay so I was I had I have a 10-year corporate career running conferences mm-hmm. and trade shows amazing traveled cool. North America so great not conducive to having kids because I was traveling no, no. yeah mm-hmm. two or four times a month so left my career um when I had my second baby and then stayed home dabbled in like MLM as I feel like a lot of moms mm-hmm. do and um, mm-hmm. then I realized I don't want to do that. <laughs> There's <was just> a <laughs> lot of reasons.
1: And you so don't want to be that w- person? <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> and so I was a stay-at-home yep. mom, but I was doing that at the time, but I don't consider mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I wanted to get back in the work first, but I wanted to... I did take a short stint planning events at a law firm, but that what that really confirmed to me is that I don't want mm. to commute to an office. Mm-hmm. My biggest boundary setting, this is a big thing, right? People ask is... I take mm-hmm. my kids to school and I pick them up from school. That's like a non negotiable mm-hmm. for me. I mean occasionally whatever, but in general. And so um yep. I got into the digital marketing world and I just I started with social media manage it for a hot second and that turned into online business manager and then opportunity just started presenting itself and I just took a hold of it and now here I am recruiting and doing hiring and um so yes, so I just took the left turn when it, that turning lane went open. I took the right turn. And over the last three and a half years, I've just been living in this digital marketing space and loving it because I, again, have freedom to tie this whole conversation together.
1: <laughs> right, right. And uh, uh, let me ask, cause maybe, maybe the answer is in here. What was being a stay at home mom like for you? It was messy.
0: That kind of sums mm-hmm. it up. It was I had a lot of fun yeah. with my kids. Mm-hmm. I loved it. It was penny pinching. Um, mm-hmm. That was hard. The mess was hard. I'm not like super tidy, so the house is always a disaster. So living in perpetual mess, mm-hmm. but being social, I really enjoyed with the other stay at home moms. So mm-hmm. I
1: loved it, enjoyed mm-hmm. it,
0: but I definitely. I love business too. I just love
1: business. Mm -hmm. I could talk about business for a long time. So same. We'll turn off this recording and let's talk PNLs. Oh my gosh. Yes, (laughs) girl. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh girl. Yeah. (laughs) And, and I know uh, I've done it all too. Like I was a stay at home mom. I brought my kids to work with me. I worked with my kids. I, you know, um, full on. Now the kids are all in school. Like I've done it all, all the iterations of being a mom and also like working in the world. And, I, uh, I'm not the only one who's brave enough to say this, being a stay-at-home mom was not my favorite part of <laughs> that journey. You know, that was not the highlight. That was not the, uh, I mean, I feel honored and blessed and whatever you want to say, those nice words about that I was able to have that time. But honestly, it was because we had too many kids. It was by the third one, you you know, you just kind of have to make a choice. Yeah, We have four, you know, but it's not really the end all be all for a lot of women. I just want to say that. I just want to put that out there. I agree. And, um, Mm -hmm.
0: I also, as I was doing my MLM, I can't, I've, I have come to a place through my mental breakdown. We can call it. I, I -hmm. can't work in the mom cracks. I've done it working with them around. Yep. That is, Mm -hmm. I have to be mom. And then I have Mm -hmm. to be working. That was, that Mm -hmm. was my biggest struggle in COVID to be honest, was have those worlds blend back together. But Yep. I'm my best when I can pick my kids up from school and be a hundred percent with them and then send them to school and be a hundred percent with my business. That's when I'm at my best. Mm-hmm. And so I've yep. done all the iterations just like you. And my favorite is to have this division.
1: Um, yep. And so me too. Yeah, me too. Um, the, the times when you're working with your children, like I would do that a lot right after I had a baby. I'd be working from home, kind of running the the business books and all that with like a baby right there in the bouncy chair. And I'm like, you know, at a, at a computer and my foot is like bouncing the bouncy chair. Those are the worst. You feel unsatisfied as a mom and you feel unsatisfied as a, a work person, you know, as an entrepreneur or worker, like you feel unaccomplished at the end of the day. Like you were not a mom. You also didn't get half of your work done. You are like, great. So I know that there's a lot of idea. Like I too would recommend if anybody's out there reading and they're listening to this and thinking about when they have kids or, or they do right now, boundaries. Don't mess those up because it it, 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 honestly, you're right. It doesn't work.
0: Yes. You gave me the chills that like, you don't feel accomplished at anything. It was, that was my least favorite when I blended those two. That was my least favorite phase.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. That was my least favorite. I I mean, I don't, I don't enjoy being a stay at home mom, but it wasn't the worst. Like I, I didn't feel accomplished not because I, I just kind of was like, Oh, this is not for my personality type, Mm -hmm. you know? But the other times when you're like when I would be working with the baby at my feet, that was maddening, yeah. you know, and I, I, I see friends, uh, you know, also like um, artists that run businesses, like a photographer, a friend of mine was like, yeah, I'm just going to work with her. And until she's and I was like, until she starts moving, because <laughs> then it's over, you know,
0: because then you start uh, well. me, I started resenting the uh-huh. child because I had to work and then yep. I start resenting the work because I had the child like it just the was- child. Not yeah, good.
1: Doesn't yeah. work. Just yeah. a hot tip, everyone. Doesn't work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't see men doing it. No man does that. No. Right? Like, why do we no. do
1: that? I know. I know. You know, I just. I really feel like women don't need to be doing more to make this like. Eco- you know what I'm gonna say is like bringing up dads and their expectations of dads and fathers, is. Where I see, like, that's where I see the magic happen. Is I need to not like expect more or less of myself, but kind of like, okay, partner, what can you take? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I it's not always internalized and be like, oh, I wasn't enough. Like, maybe could you do a little more around the house? <laughs> when was the last time you did the laundry? I mean, I, I've long ago gotten those things pretty much in line. Like, my kids do their own laundry. My yeah. mom does it. We all do our own. <laughs> you know, same. But things like that. But. Uh, I really feel like the magic in maybe making yourself feel more sane. Everybody is looking at the division of all that stuff, the labor of all that stuff.
0: Well, and I want to take it one step further because yeah, go we just had this conversation. So mm-hmm. that's another thing. My husband and I, after years of marriage, mm-hmm. he does stuff, but we're to the point where his time's maxed out my time. And I'm like, mm-hmm. we're going to break, not like our marriage, but like th- something's going to break here again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm raising my hand. We have to get outside help now. So I'm looking to hire mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. to come two or three days a week, do some laundry, do some food prep mm-hmm. and like just help me because mm-hmm. I work from home. So all those stuff gets put on, puts on me is put on me. Yes. Whereas my husband's yep. commuting and he just physically can't, it's not because he doesn't want to, he mm-hmm. does stuff, he does his own laundry, but right. w- we're at the point now running my own business, we're going to have to bring in someone else for this to mm-hmm. actually work at this mm-hmm. phase. And so I don't think people talk about that enough. I follow a blogger that I love mm-hmm. and She has like eight kids and she makes Mm -hmm. it look like she does it all. And I just realized Mm -hmm. I have a, I have a friend who works on the inside with her. She's like, Oh no, she has a nanny, but we never Uh see the
1: nanny. I know. (laughs) Uh
0: huh. I'm like, that feels like a lie. So getting outside help. And we have currently, we have someone coming every two weeks to clean the house and that just is now reaching a phase. It's not enough. It's not enough. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I just want to be,
1: let's talk about that. Yeah. (laughs) 1000%. I have given up (laughs) extra cleaning. Like I, I think I'm the same as you. Like there's a bit of a mess. It's a lived in house. It's not a perfect house. Like this is the most put together. And my kid did this color coordination in my books behind me, you know, um, that's low on my priorities. I remember you saw that Venn diagram. It was like pick two and there's three. It's like, a family a career and a clean house pick two of the three you're not going to have all three you know so like one one thing's going to go off to someone else we have a weekly person that i adore and i call her my goddess <laughs> who comes I love in that. and cleans our you know like bathrooms kitchen yeah. you know that kind of stuff In general pickup yeah 100% it was a year ago when we were opening our last location my husband got me uh one session got me one session right see see how see, we talk about yes,
0: that yes I but know. that was my
1: christmas present mm. or the christmas present let's say yeah <laughs> you know i get it yeah and then i was like she stays we keep her around i'm not i'm not i'm not doing this i'm not driving myself mad you know yeah with like like look by me there's there's a that's dirty clothes because uh, my kid didn't put away their clothes last night so there's a hamper of clean clothes but like that's my reality <laughs> yeah, same. I mean, yeah. yeah, I have this nice backdrop, but
0: like I'm not gonna point the camera that way. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: You can just see one power right there, mine. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Totally. We're on the same wavelength there, I think. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So um what else? I'm like, is there anything I'm missing? You know, did you become obsessed with, uh, Pilates or something during this time that helped you? Are you a avid journaler? Um, what other things did you bring in? I love to let people know what works for you. I love that. I wish I was a avid Pilates
0: because that would be amazing. (laughs) But, um, no, I mean, another part of this journey for me that as I was getting, you know, mind, body, and spirit
1: Mm -hmm.
0: was, um, the health I, Mm-hmm. I, that's a whole other tangent, but, um, you know, I, <laughs> I believe the brain is also connected to the gut. And so yep. I don't think my panic was a hundred percent emotional charged. I think it was very much emotionally charged, but mm-hmm. it's also related to, I have leaky gut. And so working through that and, um, paying attention to my health and what I'm putting in my body. And I believe leaky gut was attributed to. Um, a lot of antibiotic use and also the alcohol. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not good for your gut. So I mm-hmm. went down that rabbit trail. I'm still on that health journey. A couple of years ago, I, I landed myself in bed with what my physician titled as mono, mm-hmm. but, um, I, it wasn't mono cause I didn't sleep, but I, within six weeks, I lost like 25 pounds. I was mm-hmm. so sick. I couldn't, mm-hmm. it was another moment where like my life halted and my husband had to take mm-hmm. over. It was the craziest thing. And um, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but yeah. we have since found, <laughs> actually I'm getting the final report this week, We our pan was leaking underneath our master shower
1: okay. and mm-hmm.
0: we have mold. Mold. Mm-hmm. And so I think that illness two years ago is attributed to mold. To, to mold. And so yep. that's a whole other journey, which can also cause anxiety and can cause mm-hmm. mental things. And so I was having just weird symptoms that... I'm walking through that. So now we will get it remediated and
1: um, mm-hmm. I will go through some detox myself. and uh-huh. see if, interesting you say that. So the time that I had like quote unquote the most panic attacks, um, and the first time I had one and the one that I, I remember feeling physically the most, I, wasn't, I didn't feel pain, but like my breathing was all off and wrong and I texted my husband, was um, in this time of uh, a few eight months, um, I was under intense gastrointestinal distress and I didn't realize I had celiac disease. So it, like, it was one of those when I finally got to it, I was like, Oh, that's why I've been having like panic attacks lately. Yes. I believe that wholeheartedly of, of the handful I've had in my life. Half of them were in those, in that amount of time, yeah. at least And I'm 42, you know, it was in those eight months. Yes.
0: A thousand mm-hmm. percent. I mean, my digestion I did so much work on mine, but I could pinpoint like when I would, something would happen in digestion, I would feel a panic. And so it mm-hmm. was, um, it is a crazy thing. So but that, it's also maddening if you are dealing with anxiety and you, you don't know what it's related to. If you look at every single disease <laughs> right.
1: or anything, it's like side effects. You have anxiety. It all, right? Anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> What's, Life. What's the side, with the side effect of anxiety is anxiety, though. Yeah. yeah it's like, oh, my <laughs> right? gosh. Like but, you um, said, you were talking about your anxiety. You were like, it's giving me anxiety talking about my anxiety. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And my friend, the psychologist, she said that she's like, that's mm-hmm. what I talk about in therapy a lot. Cause you just put it, you make it, the anxiety like this big boulder and then you just like mm-hmm. make it so big and so big and you don't want the panic attack. So you get panic talking about the panic attack. Yeah, then what does she say what to do then? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> what's so her, what what's her alternative? <laughs> I know. Um, gosh, I don't remember. I just remember that sticking out. This is a very practical tip that she gave me. She, that is, um, for anyone dealing with anxiety and I laugh because I don't know if this is, like, scientifically gra- rooted, but she uh-huh. said temperature change I, yeah, mm-hmm. can help. And so mm-hmm. she told me to lay on the tile floor, which I did, mm-hmm. absolutely hated. So then I was having a panic attack. I tried a cold shower, absolutely hated. But what does help me is, mm-hmm. like, if I put an ice pack around my shoulder
1: okay. or if I put mm-hmm. an
0: ice pack on my head, just that temperature change would, like, calm my nervous system somehow. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um That's a little tip. Anyways, I don't know, for whatever that's worth.
1: I've heard that too. And I can't remember, I was on a podcast, I heard some guest talk about it, like a guest, you know, speaker, and shoot, no, maybe it was on this podcast. I might have interviewed somebody who told me this, actually. I was like, wait a second. I remember like really being in this conversation about it. Yes, yes, it's coming back to me. It was a previous guest, and she was taught that at, I believe, a mental health facility. Of how to physically calm her panic attacks was to change temperature. So it's change of sense, like smelling too can actually help because it gets, wanna get you back in your body. So it's also like sounds, like it maybe put on classical music or whatever. It was always the sensories. So it's, you gotta get into your sensories somehow. Um, but um, the temperature was one of them. I remember it was like holding ice or something, or she had to go outside because it was in a in a place where the temperature outside, like if you were in New England, you know, in the or Texas in the summer. Go, I feel like cold would work better. <laughs> I don't feel like hot will get you out of uh. this. Happened in a hot time, and so how okay. I got through
0: that time mm-hmm. before I got like the medical help, I would um, like a, I remember specifically going to my son's soccer game mm-hmm. and it just being like very difficult to be out there because I just mm-hmm. felt this, I, I almost just felt like my nervous system was just constantly being, I was on edge and I felt yeah. like at any moment it could turn into panic. That's what it felt like, um, at that specific time. So I would go to a soccer, I went to a soccer game and I had like two ice packs and I had friends coming up. Are you okay? And I was like, oh, I just slept on my shoulder really
1: wrong. Uh, yeah. So I yep. totally
0: just Love it. made up a yep. lie, which now, sorry, friends, I was lying to right. you. Right. I was actually a mess.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and it's not that you wouldn't talk about it. It's just in the moment, sometimes we just don't yeah. want to talk about it, you know, Yeah, you just got to get through it yeah. first. Yeah, totally. Well, I've, this is, um, I mean, about right timing for us, but I always, um, end with, you know, fun, silly questions. But before that, I like to open it up to what else would you like to share? Like that I didn't ask, you know, just a oh, general, gosh. I feel so vulnerable. About your journey. I feel like I shared, so much
0: i mean you're gonna have the
1: vulnerability the brene brown vulnerability hangover (laughs) no that comes
0: when the episode launches yeah yeah totally (laughs) i mean we didn't touch about the spiritual it's you know we talked about yes that was more categories yeah Mm -hmm. yeah we Mm -hmm. talked but spiritual Mm -hmm. absolutely was part of it as well like i'm a Christian. And so Mm -hmm. my walk with the Lord just got a lot deeper Mm -hmm. and that becoming a habit as well. Like I talked Mm -hmm. about, you know, being really zoned in on my diet, being really zoned in on my workout, but really digging in with the Lord. And, um, I also, it was so weird. It almost felt like repul, like a repulsive. It was right around Halloween when this happened. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so people had decorations out. And I would see the Halloween decorations and it would just repulse me because like I couldn't have anything dark, you know, like a, right. in my face. It was like mm-hmm. I needed all light. I needed all, all light. Mm-hmm. And so that was interesting. I remember where we there was a huge haunted house around the corner from our house and I would drive by there. I would, I would avoid it because I'm like, I don't need any like, darkness coming my way. Yeah, you're like,
1: I do not need any of that. I got my own. I'm trying to get rid of it.
0: Yeah. Have you heard of Dark Night of the Soul?
1: I, well, I mean, I've heard that kind of saying, but
0: so, I mean, apparently it's a thing. I don't know if it okay. is, but I, I had a specific night that it was just so dark and it was just oh, like wow. terrible. And so from then I've just been very cognizant to not watch the dark things. You know, I like mm-hmm. keep things light because I don't want things entering my eyeballs that will affect my soul on a mm-hmm. level that I can't That's get rid of. That subconscious. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Yes. It gets into your subconscious. Like when we say like, you'll never be able to unsee that.
0: that Get ahead of
1: like when you, when you can, there's sometimes you're going to come upon things in life that you're not going to be able to avoid. But like, I get what you're saying is being conscious of like, I'm not going to let that go into my psyche.
0: Yes. I tell my Mm -hmm. kids that all the time. Like Mm -hmm. mommy, why do you have, um, like I have a code on my Hulu. I'm like, because when you open Hulu, sometimes there's like a zombie. You don't want Mm -hmm. that to just, you can't unsee things. And so, yeah, it's, it's sometimes it's, it seems so trivial, but there's a lot of stuff out there that's always put in our face. And so I just really try to keep mm-hmm. boundaries around that. I like that. Yeah. I remember I was sharing this a little bit, very close after my um, mm-hmm. walking through it, it was like probably like eight mm-hmm. months later, I was with a group of women. We were at this um, conference thing and mm-hmm. I was, I barely opened up and I was like, yeah, I went through this hard time. And this woman said, Oh yeah, you had a dark night of the soul. Yeah, girl, that's a thing. Like it was like no oh. big deal. And I was like, uh, that was, a, uh, Oh, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. That's sure.
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's just like everybody has that. <laughs> well, what what's so funny you just said that is like it's kind of like having miscarriages, right? Oh. Like I remember after having one and then two, but after having one, everyone was like, "Oh yeah, you know, women. Oh yeah, oh well, I have one." Da, da, da. And I was like, "Why are you all talking about this?" But previously, why are you all telling me this now, after the fact? Yeah, like <laughs> you no, know? prep me, yeah. yes, yeah, prep me, or just yeah. share, yes, so I yes. can have something to go a point
0: to go back to. So yeah. yeah. So there you I, go. I, if anyone has a dark night of the soul, it's no big deal. It's like, yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't even know what it is. Right. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love it. All right. So I have silly, um, Texas questions. So the first one is very easy. Cilantro. Yes. Or no. Yes. Yeah. When was the last time you went tubing?
0: Oh my gosh. Not soon <laughs> enough. That's like my absolute <laughs> favorite thing to do on the planet. You know what it was, was my bachelorette mm-hmm. party. I love tubing. That was the last time we went. So that was a long time ago. A long time ago. Actually, it's Mm -hmm. like I want to plan a trip with my family. You just got all psyched. I love
1: tubing. I love tubing. Me too. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. You know, I hadn't been in years because I'd had babies or breastfeeding and da 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 -da. And then you still have a toddler that needs a nap. Like all of that because my youngest is now seven. And this summer it like happened. The stars aligned. And I was like... We're doing this. We can bring all of our kids on a tubing so trip. Fun. So I did it this summer, first time. We have four kids, and the wow. oldest is gonna be 14 next week, and the youngest is seven. Oh, it's so perfect. I know we could finally do it. It was so great. It was so great. I almost lost a shoe. I ran way ahead of them, trying to get my shoe. Oh, anyway, it was all the cl- it was all the classic. And of course, I had I don't think I had a drink. Maybe one. There you one. go. Okay, I so think I had a, one. Here's a uh-huh. question: Do you tube
0: with bottom or no bottom? Yes, bottom. Yeah, I know. Who does, who does yeah. no bottom unless you want to, like, lose your skivvies?
1: Yeah, yeah I lose your skivvies. And kids, you know, yeah. they definitely needed the bottom. Yeah. So, oh, and they were, like, so whiny about how cold it was. I was like, oh, shut up. <laughs> 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 okay, what was your first job, like, your high school job or college job, like, that first job? You know what I mean? Yeah. A first. lot of us did babysitting, but, like, what was what was the...
0: I actually did not do babysitting. I, uh, my okay. first job was um, to go waitress at a local Italian okay. restaurant. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. Oh,
1: I, yeah. what age were you? Do you remember? Were you like 15, 16, 17?
0: I was 16. Yeah. I no yeah. waited until 16, got my first job. Because I, I like played sports, so I didn't have the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, 16, mm-hmm. loved it. Thought it was, I thought yeah. it was such a big girl, loved it.
1: I love it. My first job was 16 at Subway. i a sandwich artist.
0: I always <laughs> wanted to work at Subway. I thought it would be so uh-huh. fun. Was it fun?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> it was in a small town in massachusetts i worked by myself i was 16 years old and like in a subway next to a gas oh, station yeah yeah never yeah mind. it was real weird and bad and yeah my manager was 19 she was the big boss well <laughs> i couldn't funny. run the slicer because i wasn't 18 <laughs> <laughs> oh shit um okay what does heb stand for do you remember? It's initials.
0: I don't know what it is. Yeah. Like Harry, Henry, Howard. How- Howard. Yep.
1: Yep. Howard How- Edward
0: Butts. Yep. I was flying out of Houston on Southwest and uh-huh. the president of H-E-B was on my flight. <gasps> yeah. And I was like, this is embarrassing, if I treat him like a celebrity. So I played it cool. Yeah, I know. But like uh-huh. he was there. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Oh, I love that. I have neighbors down here, two doors down that are the Butts. And I'm like, are, are you not related? How many Butts are there in Texas? Are they? I've yet. I did. I've, I mean, as soon as I saw the name, I said to my neighbor, "Oh, she don't lives next door." But I was like, "Are they related to the Butts? Because they're very old." Um, um, they're and she was like, old. "I don't know. What do you mean?" And I was like, "The grocery store." And she was like, "Oh, I don't know." So I haven't, I've yet to ask Mr. Butts. <laughs> like any relation? I'm Browning. No relation. So I mean, that could be our segue of like, "I'm a Browning. No relation." How about you? Yeah. <laughs> Butts H E B anything? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, okay, so. Oh, this is very serious when you're at barbecue right mm-hmm. you've you've gotten your plate you've got your ribs you've got your brisket maybe maybe some sausage I don't know you've got your potato salad your beans whatever you've chosen your wonderful sides there's this bread the white bread
0: mm-hmm.
1: do you eat the bread how do you eat the bread Like if you eat the bread
0: a thousand percent you eat the bread okay I mean gluten or no gluten like you got to mm-hmm. eat the bread mm-hmm. and I put the, I put like a bunch of barbecue sauce on it. I put the meat on it. Okay. I make a little sandwich. Yeah. You make the little sandwich. Okay. Do you put pickles, pickles and onions? I put pickles. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. No onions. No onions. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's so fascinating. The the ritual of barbecue. Mm. It was just something that like, You're I never, I didn't grow water. up. I know. I didn't grow up with it. So coming into Texas, like as a foreigner, if you will, <laughs> I like to say, <laughs> I like to tell my kids like, well, your mom is from a different country. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> I'm not wrong, yeah. right? There's plenty of places in the world where it would have been a different country that far away. Um, and I remember the first time we were at barbecue, uh, a long, long time ago, twenty years ago, and I was like, "What? Is, why? What is a stack of bread? Why are we giving me a stack of bread? What am I supposed to do with the bread?" You know. <laughs> anyway, I love asking people like, know, like, how my, they eat you know, it, how they experience the bread,
0: it. Seeing the bread in the grocery <laughs> store, it's like, ugh. but at mm-hmm. it, yeah. barbecue place, it's like, I need two. Yes,
1: uh, yes. I've talked to other women, same thing. They're like, I never buy this bread. I would never eat this bread, except for in this moment. It is the whitest, softest bread. (laughs) And I haven't had it in years. This is what I've said on a couple episodes. I'm that obnoxious woman who's like, no bread. I said I can't have bread, because I'm celiac. Well, that's (laughs) legit. legit, Yeah, I know. But like... Like when you're at, you know, Cooper's in Atlanta, I'll be like, no bread. Get out that here. You know, yeah. <laughs> Funny. Women, women in their bread. <laughs> oh, well, that's all I have. Do you want to let people know how to find you? Yeah.
0: I'm not okay. super findable, but like I, my Instagram mm-hmm. handle is my business handle. So it's at integrate up, integrate up See, I don't even know. I'm not super <laughs> findable. I'm not super findable. Right. I know. I have to send you actually, messages. That's PTSD of MLM mm-hmm. life.
1: Okay. Cause
0: mm-hmm. the MLM I did was super heavy social media. And so mm-hmm. now that I'm out of that, I don't
1: do it. I don't you take like out- it too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, cool. Well, I really appreciated our time together and thank you for sharing your story and being a part of this season. Thank you. Mm-hmm. This was next- so
0: fun. I had a blast. Oh,
1: good. I'm so glad. Um, well, everyone, we will say goodbye to Laura, but I'll meet you all again here next week. And next week we have our, wrap-up of this season, which I check in with guests from last season and just say, like, what's new? How are you? So that's well, what we will do next week. If you have some time, I have a listener survey, which is linked in the show notes here right on this listening device that you're on in the show notes. Or at the website, which is pricklyblooming.com, there is on the upper right-hand corner a link that says survey. So if you could fill that out, that'd be great. And I always remind everybody at the top and at the end of the show right? Review. And now it's not called subscribe. It's called follow. So follow, all those fun things, all those things that I've learned have how important they are. Once I started this project, I do for everyone now, by the way, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm like, do you need a survey? Yes. Got it. Do you need a review? Sure. 100%. You know, do you need, need a feedback, feedback form? form? We'll, we'll do. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Laura. Yeah. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me.